here we go. Man, it's been a long time since I've been back in this seat, but let's do it. Welcome to In My Bag with Backpack Jeff, where we connect with ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And today, I got a very special guest with me, y'all. Hey, look, we back with season two, man. We know y'all missed us, and look, we missed y'all too. But we are back with uh, with more than what we did last year, more entrepreneurs, more success stories, more people in their big bag. We even got a better logo. Did y'all check the logo? Did y'all, I'm going to put it right here. Did you see, you see the logo? It looks really good, doesn't it? Amazing. All right, look, we got a very special guest here with us today. Uh, this brother, man... Um, Mike Cruz and we were having a conversation uh, just the other day, and we were talking about essentially what his out, what his uh, what his shirt says. So first and foremost, introduce yourself to the people. Tell the people who you are. Good morning, everybody. What's going on? What's going on? My name is Michael, um, and I'm here to talk to y'all about beating alcoholism. That's who I am today. That's what I am right now. That's what you. That's who you are. That's yep. who you are right now. Beating alcoholism. I love the shirt. Can we? Can we? Can we see the shirt? Can we? Can we do like a? Oh, yeah, Click on, yeah, on the shirt right there, no, on the on the camera. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Damn, straight like that, straight like that. For the people that's on on the audio, man, y'all gonna have to uh, jump onto the YouTube and see that, man. I beat alcoholism, amazing. Um, so yesterday you celebrated what? Three hundred and sixty-five days of uh, sobriety. I did. Um, Bring it a little bit it closer was, to uh, you. It was a uh, a journey of self-realization, but. 365 strong days of no alcohol, man. Of no alcohol. Like not like not even wine, not even champagne. Nothing. Not like um, a wine cooler. Uh, nothing. Not a Mike Harris lemonade. I went cold turkey on alcohol. Okay. There was nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Um well, there was one there was one time at uh a kickball game where one of my teammates had made a pound cake. Treese, you know who you are. Um, but I didn't know that it had been- It was been, like a rum cake. It was a rum cake. Okay. And I didn't know that. So I had tasted it. This was about a good four or five months into my sobriety. And I was around people that, you know, had been charging me to, you know, my goals. Yeah. And I tasted it and I was like, this kind of tastes funny. And they were like, no, it has alcohol in it. So I spit it out and I kind of started- crying a little bit and everybody right. around me was just like bro you still sober like you it was an accident you good yeah. you good but i thought i was gonna have to start over that day right but nah, everybody you, was like yeah, you did yeah, start. Nah. that's that's amazing man and it's uh I, I think it's very important to have that support system so it sounded like you had a really strong support system of people that were around you that were encouraging you along this journey talk about how important that support system was and is as you uh continue in this journey well, one of the things that I think that we need to really focus on as well is people really need to get out of the mindset that they don't need help, that mm -hmm. they can do it themselves. You know, for me specifically, I always thought that Michael had it himself, that Michael can do it. You know, I was strong enough, intelligent enough. Um, I had been experienced enough in life to where I didn't need help. But this was a demon that I didn't know how to fight. Yeah, This was something that I didn't know how to get a hold of, I was kind of sort of helpless. And it took a village of people who invested their time, efforts, resources, you know, to help, you know, invest in me enough to go with me to AA when I was initially gone, mm -hmm. you know, setting up AA meetings for me because I was too weak to do it myself. Right. Um, setting up meetings for counselors, you know, getting me the things that I needed because I really didn't feel like I should be doing that. I felt like it should have been just if you want to stop drinking, just stop drinking. But 
it had become so systematic, embedded in me, the alcohol, that it wasn't just alcohol anymore. It became a part of my life. So I needed mm -hmm. help removing that part of my life. It wasn't just like getting rid of some J's or, you know, getting a new backpack or anything like that. It was legitimately, you're removing something that has been an intricate part of your life for years. Yeah. So you needed that support. So so when you when you say an intricate part of your life for years, when were you first introduced to alcohol? Like, when did you take that first drink? So oddly enough, I grew up around alcohol. Um, wow. You know, you live in a Hispanic household and we drank. Well, they drank. And there was a lot of bad that came along that stemmed from the use of alcohol. And I don't think that now in hindsight that I think about it, it was a revolving door because I said that I was never going to drink. I Drinking was never going to be my thing. And I have friends, you know, that can attest to me not drinking. I didn't drink until probably my sophomore, maybe junior year in college. Mm -hmm. I did not drink. Alcohol was just not my thing. I hated it. I saw what it did to my friends. I saw how people became just uh, different people. I, alcohol right. was never my thing. But then life hit. And then a, a shot here turned into, let's do 15, let's do 30. You know, you're partying all night with friends and you're enjoying life and more alcohol, more alcohol, more alcohol. So I would venture to say I started drinking probably heavily around my sophomore, junior year. Sophomore, junior year. So that's, that's probably about 19, 20 years old, something like that, right? Yeah. Um, so let me let me ask you, right? If you could if you could put a number on how much money you spent on alcohol, what do you think that number would be? Right? It, you know, it don't have to be perfect. Like you know, if you it, could it just doesn't, it doesn't, but I I literally have stopped to consider this on so many occasions. I have said Ooh. stop. Stop. One time actually, when I was working at DSS, I had a coworker, Sandra who she and I spoke really intimately about uh, my issues with alcoholism. Sandra, she's an amazing person, great, great, great person. And we talked about me possibly going to AA and stuff like that. And when I went to AA, they asked us to do, well, it was my first time there. So they asked us, asked me to do a little bit of research why do you want to stop drinking? You know, what effects does it have on you? How does it affect you financially and all that? And it didn't dawn on me, like, you really are spending a lot of money. And the night before that, when me and Sandra had gone out, right before we went to the AA meeting, it didn't occur to me that that same night, I had spent almost $1,000 on alcohol. Jeez. At the club. We're friends. That's how drunk I was. It was a wow. very... And that's just one night. Right. Of, of just unfiltered, you really are out here drinking, having a good time, living life. Right. And if that happened that night, I can only imagine how much money right. I how, spent. How, right. What happened them other nights? Okay. So, uh, so you said that probably around your sophomore years when you kind of first took your your first drink. Um, what happened in your life that made you say? Uh, or made you helped you come to the realization that I'm that this may be a problem, because right there I, I feel like there has to be a shift in your life that says okay, 
Um, I no longer have control over this thing. This thing has control over me. Was there that shift? And if so, can you remember that shift? So one thing about me is I'm very real with myself and the things that I feel. Mm -hmm. I knew that alcohol was always a problem. I always knew alcohol was a problem. I saw alcohol as a problem growing up. I saw the effects that alcohol had, you know, just in like I've seen the effects of it. But my issue was I was too conceited. I was too egotistical. I was too caught up in the idea that you have a amazing education. You graduated from an amazing institution. Shout out Florida State University. Um, you have a good government job. You're functional. Mm-hmm. So all of the all of the things that are issues to other people, they shouldn't be an issue for you because you're better than those circumstances. You're better than the decisions that they've made because you're employed, you educated, you got it. So you know, I didn't good. see, I didn't, exactly. I didn't see that it was acting as a catalyst. It was acting as the one thing that was bringing me down because I didn't see it. I didn't see it and I didn't want to recognize it, but I knew what it was. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to see it for me, right? I can I can recognize alcoholism in you. I could recognize alcoholism in her and that person, that person, but I was too conceited to see it in myself. Mm. I couldn't recognize it. I was like, no, you can't be an alcoholic because you know better. You've seen it. You know what it is. This is not that. I started rationalizing. I started making excuses for why I had to go get that bottle. I had to go get that bottle because that one's gonna be done in an hour and it's only 10 o'clock at night and we still like, there was no stopping it. There, it was, it was deplorable. There was no, it was unfiltered. That is, that is the only way that I know how to describe that. I didn't realize that I had a problem. I was spending and living my life in the liquor store. And it was me. I don't know how to explain to people that, you you really don't see issues that you see in other people when you really don't want to. I didn't want to see it. And and so it that that what you're saying really brings me back to an analogy. It's like when you're this close up on the problem, you can't see the whole problem in totality. Right. And for the people that are on that are online uh, listening to the audio, if you put your hand up to your eyes, you can't see your full hand because you're so close to the problem. Right. It's only when you kind of take a step back and you look and now you can see the whole problem. So would you say that at a point you were I've heard the people I've heard people use the terminology a functioning alcoholic where it's like I have to be like at, like in, in, in an intoxicated state. I can I can function and I can do pretty much any and everything that I would do in my, you know, uh, normal state. Correct. Would you say that? That that's where you were at some point. Absolutely, I, and is I don't know if this is a a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, y'all decide. I don't know, but I think that one of my hallmarks of of during that time period of alcoholism was my ability to function so effectively, which is why I was so hell bent on not admitting it to myself. Mm. I mean, I was working for the state, the government. I literally woke up every day, faithfully went 
and swipe my badge to get into that building and do my job. And every single day at five o'clock, I would go right to the liquor store and do the same thing. It will, it was a repetitive thing every single day for Did years. you. Ever show up to work? Every day. Every day. Every day. Every wow. day. I never missed work. Oh, you're talking about like in the intoxicated. Or were you able to there keep were, that there were, out of it? No, no, no. There were times. There were times. And this is when I knew. This is when I started making the realization that okay, you really are starting to. You starting to let stuff affect you. You know, you, you you gonna if you gonna drink, if you're gonna do this, you gotta really hold yourself accountable. Because my supervisor, and this is not a this is not a joke. This is not an exaggeration, hyper realization of the truth. This is a reality. She asked me several times, "Was I drunk?" Mm-hmm. Because the smell of alcohol was there, and yeah. it wasn't because I was drinking that day. I mean, I never. I can honestly say this in the spirit of transparency. I never drank before work. Okay, I that never, was gonna be my next question. I never, okay. never. I never, well, no, 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 I won't say that. I'm going to take that back. There were, out of the six years that I worked there, I can count on maybe one hand where I maybe took a shot before work. Literally, that was it. But it was never, I never wanted to be the person in the office that people was like, all right, he kind of drunk a little bit. It was right. never that. But I did, you know, I, it was just functional. I decided I, I can do it. I can do it. But I didn't because people... You know, I worked there for six years and I was a team lead. So I was a really big name in that office. You know, I and it was people who started realizing it and noticing. And I think it kind of. I don't think it clicked on me because in my head, my snapback would be, well, if I'm an alcoholic or I smell like alcohol, I'm still doing my job and doing it better than you. So Mm -hmm. even in this, you know, state, you can't really touch me, which is why I really wish I would have seen it earlier because it was just a terrible mentality to have. You drunk you're drunk in a government building. Right. Like why? So if you're enjoying this podcast, Anchor allows you the opportunity to show your support with a monthly donation as low as $4.99 per month. All you have to do is go to anchor.fm or your Anchor app and search In My Bag with Backpack Jeff and push support to choose the amount you wish to contribute to the growth of this podcast. All donations are appreciated and we thank you in advance for supporting In My Bag with Backpack Jeff, where we connect with ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And now back to your episode. All right. Now, has has alcohol ever affected employment or any job or anything like that? Like for you, has have you ever felt that effect of like, um, you know, they, maybe my performance is slipping a little bit because of alcohol or I'm choosing to, to drink instead of go to work or something like that? Has any of that ever happened? Has that been an issue? I can honestly say no, because wow. because in the in the midst of all of this turmoil and lack of functionality in my life the one thing that i did not ever 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 compromise was my professional career mm-hmm. i never did anything that i thought would be destructive to my resume and that was just the reality of it yes there were instances where my supervisor may have asked you know are you drunk you know whew, michael you was drinking last night yeah you know celebrating having a good time you know but I knew that if anything else in my life failed, nothing was going to stop that direct deposit from coming in. Right. I was going to get that money. And, like, and what, what was, what do you think was the catalyst of that mentality where it's like, 
even though I'm doing this and I'm having fun and, you know, I'm drinking and stuff like that, I'm still going to keep this priority of making sure that I have income coming in. I think it was a defense mechanism. Okay. I think it was me saying to myself, well, who can really say something to you if you are coined, you have your money in order, you have your, your house in order, you have a car, but your issue is you drink too much. Who can say anything to you if you're a grown person, but your responsibilities are taken care of? Wow. Yeah. Who yeah. can say anything to you? Yeah, I'm drunk. I'm out here having a good time. But can you do Every I ask day you for I anything? I get up and go to work. I don't ask you I, for any money. All I do of my, my bills and our responsibilities exactly. are taken. That's an interesting. But it was a it was a it was a real defense mechanism. Yeah. I used that. I used that as a clutch. I said to myself, "Y'all can't say nothing to me because because I'm still taking care of my responsibilities." Right. But I didn't realize that. As I was doing all of this, I was falling further and further into that rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. So it took a while. Like, I mean, that process was good for about a good four or five years. But I think it was probably right pre-COVID, you know, I started building this mentality of who are you right now? What are you doing right now? Right. You know, one one payment extension turned to two payment extensions. You know, and that's when I started realizing I, 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 it's really interesting when you sit in a room by yourself and you have to tell yourself the truth about who you are and where the hell you want to go in life. Right. That's where we are. <laughs> and it just seeing that I was falling behind on bills and seeing that things were messing up, you know, I don't know if I don't know why it dawned on me in that moment, but. People could see that. Like people could see that you're not you're not where you used to be anymore. So now I'm starting to feel defeated by the alcoholism and I'm starting to, to feel defeated by my own lack of being able to keep up the persona of drunk functional alcoholic thumper. I can go to work and everybody knew me as being the social worker and being the community activist and doing all this at work, but they equally knew me as being alcoholic. But now the alcoholism was starting to go over the community service, the job, uh, the this, okay. because I was getting mad at this not happening, bills and this and this and this. So it was just a multitude of different. The alcohol became more of your identity than who you were as a person and as a professional. Correct. Absolutely. Okay. Because I because I was allowing my thought process of functionality to shift. I was saying to myself, you're functional, you can drink, you can do whatever you want to, but you're spending more money than you're making on this. Right. Like, for one bottle, you have to get two bottles, and then people come over, and you have to make sure they're good. And, you know, we're going out every other night, Jasper's, uh, Applebee's, Friday's, all of these places with happy hour and these things add up. So now I'm starting to make excuses for myself. Okay, well, it's okay. I get paid next week. I can just push that car note back a little bit. I can just tell the phone people. I can just tell Sprint, now part of T-Mobile, <laughs> that, you know, I can just pay y'all in two weeks. I can give y'all the money in two weeks. And two weeks just kept turning into another month. And then okay. a month started, you know, it just it just kept going. Yeah, that, that, that ugly cycle, man, of <laughs> that ugly cycle of, hey, look, don't worry, I'm, I'm going to get it to you. And then what happens is you end up paying more and late fees because they're going to let you do it. But they're going to be like, I mean, you're just going to charge you, you know, another $15, $20, you know, when you pay it two weeks later. And then after you do that for a year, you see and realize that, yo, I just paid $500, $400, not just for my service, but 
fees because I was choosing to pay my stuff late and I wasn't getting this stuff and I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do on time. Like, um, there's so many mistakes uh, that we make in that. Like, I, I, I remember, like, I have a line in one of my poems where I talk about, um, uh, I remember them days when I would have to live in that overdraft. And some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. That before you get your check, you already know the whole thing you got to take out. And then they hit you with that overdraft fee. And I mean, rightfully so, because how else will you learn that you should actually live below the means in which you earn? And so we don't really think so much about living below our means. We think about just, you know, the thing that we want uh, or the thing that we feel is bringing us joy. So you're you're in you're in this space now where um, you're a, you're 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 functioning um, as an alcoholic. Right. What or who? Or what happens in your life that transitions that says, now, Michael, you need help? Because I, I would imagine, and tell me if I'm wrong, I would imagine some relationships have probably suffered because. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. So there was a situation. Um, I don't know if I really should go. No, it's okay. So there was a situation. You can leave out the names. Between, I absolutely am going or, to or leave you, Or you can names. change the names. So... <laughs> I don't even know how to incorporate the names in this because I'm trying to make it seem I'm I'm trying to give you the full picture. So there John, was a situation. Jane, Susie, and correct, all of them, all okay. of them. So there was a situation. Um, everybody here knows what group me is, and um, mm -hmm. so I'm a part of a few group me's, and you know, one of the group me's that I'm a part of. This is what this is what started my journey to sobriety. This very event is what started the journey to sobriety. So. We were um, in one of our really big group uh, group chats. One of uh, my friends' teammates, you know, was saying some pretty disrespectful things about me. And at this in point, the group chat that you're in, in the group chat that I'm in, yeah. So you can see these messages. But we're, yeah, but we're, we're it's a group of hundreds of people. Like we all, we we know, everybody knows each other in there. So it wasn't like he was. This is the type of group chat that it is. Like mm -hmm. it's it's a. It's a fun, very, we're talkative, we're engaging. It it just felt weird because it was my teammate doing it. Uh -huh. Like being funny and just, you know, I didn't appreciate it. And I happened to have been drunk at the time. I mean, I was drunk. At the same time that this was going on in that group chat, another group chat that I was a part of, uh, we were on a Zoom call. It was about maybe 12, maybe 13 of us in that group chat. And this group chat that we were in was comprised of really close friends that um, just, you know, just talked and just, it was that kind of vibe uh, in this group chat. So we were on Zoom the, as this situation in the other group chat had been going on. And I really felt that the, because the people that were on the Zoom chat were on the same team. We're all on the same team. Mm -hmm. And I felt like they saw the messages that the person was saying. So I happen to play a certain position on the field that's pretty coveted. It's a pretty difficult position. I'm I'm a pitcher. And I'm an early pitcher. I've just started. It's, it's, uh, it's a lot to learn. And I had got invited to pitch for a different team at a um in New Orleans 
Um, and I asked my coach, and he was like, yes, absolutely, go get the experience. You know, and this is my coach, the coach that I pitched for for our team. Yeah. And I got support from him. And the person who had been saying all of the disrespectful stuff, he and I started, you know, practicing pitching together. We started this journey together of pitching. Right. But I just was a lot better. Right. I really was just better, much better. You know, definitely can do and learn a lot more. And I'm very teachable, but I was just better. And as a result of my work ethic to practice and learn the position and really learn different pitches and really just become a better player so that I can be the pitcher for this team, I got asked by two different teams to pitch in the tournament in New Orleans. And we did very, very well in that tournament. It, I forgot how many people it was. Um, never practiced with this team, never did anything, seen them play. They were extremely good, I think. We finished eight out of 20-something people, which in my eyes is good because, you know, we have mm -hmm. no chemistry. And I think we may have finished seventh, but don't quote me on that. But either way it goes, it was a good tournament. Right. And it was my first tournament not playing with my team. And mm -hmm. just it was a lot of it – was, it, was it was a moment for my team to kind of sort of rally me on. And this was very emotional for me because I took pitching seriously. I What I did was – my coach gave me an opportunity to be on this team despite all of the negative things that he had heard about my alcoholism, about him being that player that drinks and just, he didn't care about that. He gave me an opportunity to play. So that gave me a reason to take being uh, sober more seriously because I wanted to take on the most coveted and the most stressful position on a team and prove that I can do it because previously all I could prove was that I could run really fast, can't really catch too much because I'm a drunk. I'm out there playing drunk and when you pay your money and it's a you know a fun league, you can't tell an adult that pay their money, you can't play because I, I paid to play out here. I don't care if I'm drunk. Put me on the field. Like that's what it was. Right. So there was just a lot of that going on. So we're fast forward into this situation and I feel like I'm putting in the work and just really practicing and going to doing what I need to do to be a good pitcher. And as a result, I got asked. And then he comes into the group chat with everybody, not the team group chat or, you know, in talking to me or anything. He goes into the group chat with a whole hundreds of people, like a whole bunch of, a, this is the main group chat with everybody. And you know, teams have their own separate group chats and friends have their own separate group chats. So we have our own team group chat where he could have said whatever he wanted and it could have been a joke or whatever in there right. as a team, but he didn't. He went to the main DMV chat, to the main group chat and did it. So I was like, I was drunk and I felt really, 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 really jaded about what he was doing. And I completely snapped on him in my drunken state. Wanted to fight this man. In I wanted the group to. Chat? Yes, I did. I I came for everything that the devil stole from me that moment on him. Like I took everything out on him, and then I went. I was. We were still on the Zoom chat, mind you. This is me texting mm -hmm. in the in the group chat while I'm still on the Zoom call. So in the Zoom call, it's obvious He's that I'm on the upset. Zoom call too. No, no, no. He's not okay. on the Zoom call. He's no longer a part of this group chat. Okay. So. This whole, this whole thing of us arguing is going on in the group chat. And then I'm still on the Zoom call with the whole other uh, people. Right. And they can all see what's going on in this group chat, in the main group chat. Right. And these are all my friends and my teammates. Mm -hmm. None of them said anything. None of them defended it. None of them said, chill out. None of them said, this is wrong. None of them stood up. Why did you expect them to? Because we're a team and I've done it for them. 
we're a team. And if you're going to allow one teammate to go into a group chat that has hundreds of people that are not on this team disrespect you, then that speaks about your team. It speaks about who you are. It speaks about what's going on in this in this camp. Because I'm not going to let anybody disrespect my teammate. You're not about to talk about him. I don't like him, but you're not going to talk about him because he's wearing the same jersey I have. That's how I was bred. That's who I am. If you rock with somebody, you rock with somebody. If you don't rock with them, you don't rock with them. That does not give you license to be disrespectful. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. I could be around you and we don't have to talk. That doesn't mean that I'm going to disrespectful. It doesn't mean that I'm going to talk about you. It's never going to give that, that type of attitude. It doesn't, it, it doesn't require that. Nothing requires that. Right. We're grown. It's okay to walk away. So in the midst of me snapping on the group chat, I had started attacking everybody in the Zoom chat on a Zoom call. Wow. Everybody was a MFR, a, a, a B word, a punk. Everybody was just everything. Like it completely went from me going off on one person to me going off on this group of people that I love, admire, and really, really appreciated their friendship mm -hmm. because I was drunk. Because I didn't know how to appropriately communicate my feelings about how this made me feel. I could have addressed the guy who did it and told him it wasn't okay. And we could have, we could have had a separate conversation, but I didn't care about that. My, my, if I was not drunk, I would not have acted like that. I would have practiced a better sense of judgment, but because I was drunk, I allowed my, I allowed my lack of having a filter to possess that conversation. It took control. Um, and I don't know why this is, this is the part that made me want to be sober. This part right here. So I don't know why, but one of my friends who was on the zoom, uh, the zoom call decided that she was going to record the whole entire thing mm. because I don't know what, I don't know what made her decide that recording this situation needed to happen because we've never done that before in any of our group chats, nothing. Why are you recording conversations in here? Like this is the conversation. We talk about people like, you know, when you with your friends, right? You, yeah, yeah. It, of it, course. you know, so we talk Shoot about the breeze, right? It was given that type of environment. So in my head, I'm thinking to myself, I, why would you record? A converse like why like I just didn't understand it. So I'm snapping on everybody, 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 and I need y'all to really understand that perspective. These are friends of mine, like people that people that love you, people that know these are you friends. intimately. Like right. we've been to each other's homes, we've cooked for each other, cried, laughed, traveled together. These are friends that turned into family. And I disrespected every last one of them. I wanted them to hurt as much as I was hurting. Right. Because why did none of y'all have my back? Mm -hmm. And I really just, if, if killed that shit was a person, that's what this was. Right. I killed it. I literally went off on everybody on that group chat. Mm -hmm. Zoom chat, Zoom call. Um, so that was, that night, people had gotten off the Zoom call. There were still a couple of people there. We were still willing to have a conversation, discuss things, see what was going on, all that kind of stuff, all that Who Shot John stuff. Mm -hmm. And then 
the next morning, I didn't remember what happened. I was, I knew something happened. I knew that there was probably a couple of disgruntled teammates and, you know, whatever the case is. But I didn't think that it was a serious thing because we had argued before. Things had gotten a little out of pocket well, before. Yeah. So I imagined that it would be the same exact thing the next morning. Oh, a little argument, blah, blah, blah. You shouldn't say, like, minor stuff that you do with your friends, but y'all still friends. Right. But they said, no, we need to have a conversation about last night. Actually, no. One of my one of the guys that's in the group chat um, just started laughing out of nowhere. He and one of the girls in there um, had been dating for a while. And I think they may have been together, like, actually physically that night as all of this was going on. Um, but they had woken up the next morning and it had been a topic of laughter and conversation. And I had woken up, um, a little bit late, obviously, cause I was much, 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 uh, very, very drunk. And they started talking about a video and I'm in my head like, okay, well, I want to see a video what's going on. And everybody in the group chat, mind you, I'm the funny, I'm one of the funny people. I'm one of the lively. Let's talk about it. Everybody in the group chat is talking around me. Like, and I'm thinking to myself, well, this has never happened before. Why is everybody talking around me? I'm asking questions about the video. And it became sequential. Like, you saw this question, then this question. And then you saw this question getting answered, but not your questions. And then you, you're you making statements and responding to things. And nobody's responding to you. Everybody's literally just not caring or just it doesn't matter what you're saying because who are you right now? So they're mm -hmm. talking about this video. And in my head, I'm thinking to myself, all right, what video are we talking about? What What's going on here? So they said you need to watch yourself last night and how you acted. And I said, my first response to that was, why did you record? Because we don't do that. This is not something that we do. This is not something that this group <laughs> chat does. We don't- Clearly he's had, he had a problem with this people. recording. Okay. We talk about people in here. Like yeah. we, we have real friendship conversations and Y'all know what I'm talking about when you get with your friends and them group text messages and did y'all see her hair? Did you see, like, you know what it is. It's shady, it's loving, it's, it's a very intimate situation. So never would I have imagined that it would have been recorded. Mm -hmm. And for years, 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 this is, the, this is what, this is what, this coupled with that is what caused sobriety. I have been told for years that this is how you act. I've seen you act like this before and I've seen you behave like this before. This isn't a surprise to me. I've seen you act like that when you're drunk. Mm -hmm. You just never wanted to admit it. You've never wanted to believe that this is who you are when you're drunk. Mm -hmm. So I see the video and I'm completely in awe. I'm disgusted. I am literally looking at myself with hatred. I saw myself as not being who I, who I thought I was. I thought that I was, for, for starters, I didn't think that I was snapping on these people the way that I was snapping on these people. Right. I thought it was just me saying a couple of this and this and this. And, and that's they were just exaggerating it. about how, yes. how, how much yes. you were, yeah. like, how much you were saying, right? Like I couldn't have been that bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what it was. You literally said exactly what, what, what I thought. Like, it couldn't be that bad. Like we've done this, we've argued before, we've expressed right. feelings of, of, of anger and all that stuff before. But me seeing myself on my on that video and seeing, every, like I was drunk. You were forced to confront yourself. 
it put shit sorry it put things into perspective right this is what people are seeing this is who this is what people are as how, good how did that part make you feel like did, did that hurt you it because did. you were hurting them it did i saw myself bro like for years i heard and saw and deduce that yeah maybe there may have been a problem and maybe people were probably exaggerating a little bit maybe maybe there is some truth to what people were saying but i did not want to grab that i did not i didn't put it in my shopping cart because i didn't want it i didn't want any of that to be i didn't want to admit it but then when i see the video of how i behaved when i was drunk bro like i was incredibly ashamed of who i was now those people that you flipped on, are they still in your life today? Yeah, every every last one of them. Every last one of them. How much how much do you thank them and admire them for sticking with you through this journey? So there was a really big divide in that group chat. A lot of people, this is the 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 people that were on the Zoom, not the main group chat or anything. Right. There was a huge divide in that chat about alcoholism and just being a grown man and just being real um there were half of the people were saying michael has alcoholism issues we need to we need to invest in the care for that then you had another group of people that were just straight up no you need to you grow you need to control your intake you need to just not drink blah blah blah, blah. and then we met halfway of okay. i had one of my brothers who was the one that actually was laughing, who I felt some type of way about laughing. This uh, this this man is hood from the streets. Like, you got to be real when you talk to this man because he not on no caddy. Like, if you're talking to him, you can't waste his time. And he was one of the ones that, he was one of the people that was angry because he felt like, excuse me, like I was being babysat. He felt like this isn't alcoholism. You need to just stop drinking. Somewhere along the lines, maybe a good week later, um, this man called. I don't know what, what, I don't know why God did this and provided him as a vessel, but he stepped aside from his own ideas of what he thought should be done. And he started asking me if I was serious. And then he's the one that actually set up my first A meeting. And in the second one and the third one, and he actually participated with me virtually on a couple of them, you know, and to me, doing that made me take it more seriously. And then I had other people in this, you know, group chat that, you know, checked on me daily. And it was because of their continued dedication to the cause that I had set for myself. You know, they were charging me to, they were charging me to my own mission i said i wanted to do it mm -hmm. so they were charging me to my own words it, they weren't projecting any of their feelings any of their ideas of how it should be done it was all me yeah. i wanted to do aa well, all right we're gonna we're going we're going what time are we going what we got to wear what's the dress code like that's like these are the type of people that they were okay well what, we're gonna go eat after like what's going on they kind of sort of try to make it seem like this was a normal process and this wasn't like yes we're 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 not sending you to the crazy house or the crazy place because you're crazy and because you have a problem no we're gonna go here we're gonna address some things and we're gonna carry on as normal this became uh it, it became a normal feeling of 
you know what, I recognize that I need help and they recognize that I need help, but there it's it's not like we, we didn't make it a thing. We didn't make it awkward. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they didn't make it awkward for you to where it's like, yo, like you 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 gotta go here, you need the help, you, you know what I'm saying? Like and like make you different or make you an outcast or make you feel worse. Well initially or less than initially it was it was forced. Okay. Initially I was given the ultimatum. I was told, you know, by not everybody in the group chat, but I was told by several people, look. If we're gonna be friends, you have to address this. Right. And because I care about them, and you know, I love their their counsel, their say, I love who they are to me, and you know how they, I love our interactions. So I had to decide and be grown about it. Are, are you going to be friends with these people, or are you gonna keep choosing the bottle? Because at this point, the the bottle has taken away your friends. It has taken away a few of your relationships, intimate relationships. It's taken away, you know, potential jobs. It's it's you alcohol has already shown what it can do. You know, let's try to see what you can do without it. You know, there's a laundry list of things that we can mark off, you know, that includes things that have happened with alcohol right. as a um, as a factor. Yeah. Now it's time to now it's time to comprise a list of things that you can do mm -hmm. without alcohol. And these people. Well, I actually complained about AA2. The first couple of meetings that I went to, it was, and Lord, I'm sorry, and y'all, I apologize for anybody, but it just wasn't my, it wasn't my thing. I was going to AA meetings with old people, like people that have allowed alcohol to tear them down, like in their 50s and 60s, looking really old, really just, and I get to these AA meetings, um, some virtual, some uh, in person, and I do, I, I just saw it and I did not want to be anything like that. I'm like, bro, you you are literally the youngest person in here by far, mm. by far. You want to really be in here 60 years old talking about this same stuff? Is this where you want to go? Is there a group? Of, should, is there a group and should there be a group for AA for different age groups? Where, because did, you feel, like, did you feel like you couldn't relate to these 50 or 60 year olds and... So there are groups. There are groups. I just that are I age didn't, based. I guess I didn't look for any. Okay. Um. Okay. So during my initial during my initial initial search, and during um, my friends' initial searches <clears throat> for me, uh, we didn't we didn't do any. We just needed to get into a class. Right. That was it. That was it. That was we didn't care what time. We didn't care if we had to take off work. We didn't. We just needed to get into that class. That's all that we cared about. So. We chose the wrong classes, obviously, because you know you want to take classes that are kind of sort of tailored to or tailor made to your functionality, your thought processes. Right. But I actually appreciated that. I appreciated the diligence. Um, I'm sorry. I appreciated the diligence of that research because um, not having that made me realize that I did not want to be that age doing that. Mm. If I would have seen people my age doing it, it probably would have projected a different feeling. Oh, we the same age. Yeah, I'm better than you, blah, 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 blah. Right. You know, I'm I'm around people that are my same age. I would probably try to level up on them. I uh -huh. would probably try to look or appear better and know y'all the ones with the problem. Like, it's y'all. Right. I ain't got nothing to do with that. Nothing. That's all y'all. But being in a room with older people, it, it, it turned on a different bulb. It turned on, this is what you could potentially be. Mm-hmm. If you keep going on this road, right. on this path. So being seeing the older people, although I hated it, did me a better service than being with the younger people. And I think being around younger people, I would have been more distracted. 
Okay. I would have looked at it like I would have been trying to see what was going on in there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I, it would have been a, it wouldn't have been, it, I wouldn't have been on no real time. It would have been joke time. Right. So I appreciated that. It was a whole yeah. different, it was a different playing field for me. And with old people, you really can't play. Like you, you know, they in here, you, you, you got to be serious. And these people yeah, are serious be. about what they talking about. They, 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 they certainly are. So other than that, other than the age difference, right? Was it was it difficult for you to want to share in the AA meetings? Because I know sometimes we go to these different type of meetings and sometimes we just we're a fly on the wall. We just sit in the back. We don't really participate. We don't really engage. We don't really interact. Was it difficult for you? And if so, how did you overcome that challenge? And if it wasn't difficult for you, why wasn't it? That's a great question, by the way. It was. Did y'all hear that? It was. Make sure you edit that part. It in. was. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> my man's bro. Um, it was hard um, because again, you you live so long thinking that you can't be touched. Like mm-hmm. nobody can touch you professionally, and here you are in a very vulnerable state, admitting to strangers that you have a flaw that is causing your 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 deterioration. So anytime that you're put in a position where you have to be honest about something that you know is wrong with you. It's always difficult. I mean, now it's become easier because I'm 360, 366 days sober. But, you know, it's always difficult when you when you have to tell the truth about who you are. You know, I'm, I'm better for it now and I'm appreciative of that truth. But you could not have paid me to do it, you know, prior to wanting to be sober mm. because I never felt like, who are y'all? Like, what do y'all, why do y'all deserve my information? Right. Why do y'all deserve, who are you to deserve my most, my most intimate and, and self-reflective thoughts? You know, mm. in the dark of day, when you lay in your bed and you listen to a little bit of rain music or you listen to your Anita Bakers and you're stuck with your own thoughts and you have to really consider who you are as a person and there's nobody there beside you. And maybe there is somebody there beside you, but they're distant because you're, you're in your own thoughts. You're in your own head. These are times where you have to really, really be honest with yourself. You can't run from it. Yeah. You can, it's not a mirror because in a mirror, you may be able to tell yourself something different. Oh, I can get a haircut and maybe that'll change, you know, whatever. But when you're in your real head and you're thinking to yourself, who you are to yourself. You can't lie to yourself. You can't, you know, it may seem good in theory. You may, you know, add a little cushion to it, but you cannot lie to yourself. And that's where I was. I was laying in that bed, listening to Anita Baker on low and just, you can't, (laughs) you, I could not get away from that truth about myself, bro. Mm -hmm. You are an alcoholic. You are. And that's what I said to myself. It wasn't, it wasn't nothing sweet. It wasn't no sugar coating nothing. It was a real life. It was a real conversation that you, yeah, like, uh, bro, a, you a, a come to me moment yeah. with myself, you know. And man, those those moments are so serious, y'all. And I, I hope you all heard a lot of what he's saying and how this, you know, how, how all of this kind of played, and it 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 was just like a snowball effect of like one thing after another, after another, after another, and. You know, to see where you are now and to know where you are now, man, it's just uh, it's it's a joy to watch. And it's a pleasure to hear these type of stories, man. Like, I, I absolutely love 
these type of triumphant stories because these are the types of stories that I believe that people need to hear because we all deal and we all suffer with something. Alcohol may not be your thing. It could be drugs. It could be pornography. It could be I'm addicted to work. Some of us are addicted to work. Some of us are addicted to um, going out and getting the bag, right? Y'all know my motto, never chase a bag. Always stay in your bag so you never have to chase a bag. The, the, and, and that's the thing, especially in this day and age, we're always talking about chase the bag, get the bag, get the bag, get the bag. But we become a slave to the money. And what happens is, is when you make it solely about the money, it begins to lose its importance. Right. When you uh, when, when you are constantly chasing something or chasing the addiction, a lot of the times you lose a lot of the other things that are important to you. You know, um, you lose some friendships, you lose out on some relationships. Um, you lose out on, uh, on, on, on jobs, you lose out on, uh, connections with different people. There's a lot of things that you lose out on. And, um, I hope that you all can take from this story and what this man has been through, um, and literally start to ask yourself, you know, what are some of the things that I am, uh, that I'm dealing with? Uh, what are some of the challenges that I'm having? So as you, as you move into this new, um, uh, part of your journey, are you, are you sober for good or are you going to, because some people get sober and they say, you know what, I'm going to stay sober forever. Some people like me will do like a sabbatical or a hiatus where I'm, I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to detox from social media for a week because I just need to make sure that I'm good on this. I'm going to stop smoking hookah for like a month because I need to make sure that I can still quit this thing just to make sure that this thing doesn't have a hold of me. I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm going to, uh, be, you know, celibate for six months to make sure that I'm in control of my sexual desires and my sexual desires are not in control of me. Where are you with, uh, with alcohol? I'm staying away from it for now. And yeah. just uh, the only reason I'm staying away from it is because I don't know how I would respond to it yet. I, I mean, I still have a lot of, I mean, this, the want for alcohol is still there. I mean, I still want to drink. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still, I, I still want to drink. I still want to, because the initial little tipsies weren't bad, you know, little tipsy here and there. So I still yearn for that. So I'm staying away from alcohol until I feel like, like that's gone. Right. I want to be able to fully say, I don't, I don't want to drink. I'm only, I don't know. It's, it's, there's no, there's no answer for that right now. I do know that right now I don't plan on drinking anytime soon. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of things that I, that I need to there are much more important things to focus on. Alcohol ain't it. Okay, I like that. So if you were uh, in front of a room full of people who this was their first time at an AA meeting and they have been suffering, what would you tell them? I'm real non-traditional. Um, because of who I am, I would be just very nurturing. Come on. Let's talk about some things. Let's get it going. What's up? Because I don't ever want anybody to feel like you're coming in as a procedure. You're coming in as a process of AA. This ain't that. And it doesn't require that. That People's journeys are different. Yeah. If you came to me and said that you want to go to AA and you had a problem, I would treat you, if we were in an AA meeting, I would treat you the same way that my friends treated me. Okay, well, all right, you got a problem. Let's talk about it. How can we fix it? You don't want it to feel like a no, I don't. It, when it feels like a tactic, they're less receptive. To absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why I didn't like going to AA because there, there's nothing wrong with AA. I'm letting y'all know that now. There's nothing wrong with going to AA. It just wasn't for me. 
it wasn't it wasn't the nur- the nurturing that I required or that I needed in order to grow out of that. Like I needed to be around people that didn't push that agenda. We knew that's what it was, but we ain't gonna talk about it. Like it was it was one of those. Hey, did you go to A today? Yes, I did. Okay, cool. What's for lunch, bro? Like moving forward. Um, and I want people to understand in that AA meeting with me, this is literally only 5% of your day. There's another 95% of the day that we're going to focus on. So for these five minutes, we're going to be honest. We're going to be true. We're going to discuss the real realities of what's going on with you. And then after we leave that conversation, we're going to leave it at all. We're going to leave it completely. And then we're going to come back to it next time we see each other. Because this thing is not going to control your everyday conversation. It's not going to control your everyday functionality. It's not. My biggest thing is acknowledging that that's the issue. Acknowledgement and and uh, really, really appreciating truth in that is the very hardest thing. So if we can get past that, we're good. If you can admit that you're an alcoholic, if you can admit that you have a problem, then you can sit at that table. You can sit in that circle and we can move forward because I'll never, ever make you feel less than that situation because I don't like that. That's amazing. And that's um, that's that's something that I think a lot of people need to hear. I think this conversation, these types of conversations are conversations that we hear that we need to have more of. Because again, we all face some sort of, or we all faced, I'm not going to say face for everybody right now, we've all had some sort of battle with something that we were had to have people that were around us support us. And if and if, if you're a person who is supporting someone who has, it's all good. Uh, if you're a person that is supporting someone who has an issue, you know, it's important to make sure that they um that they feel comfortable in expressing that issue and that you don't make them feel like an outcast because they have an issue right um it's like like when we when we uh like there are certain forms right we don't discriminate based on this 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 and this don't discriminate or don't treat this person different because they had this right unless perfect example here we go um, my wife and kids. You watched that before with yeah. um, Damian Wayans. Remember when Most Def's character was playing basketball? Um, he he came up to Michael Cow and he was like, "Yo, I want to play ball." And he's like, and Michael Cow was like, "Yo, you in this wheelchair? Like, I can't play ball with you." And so he's he's now trying to help him out and do all of this other stuff and stuff like that. He's like, "Yo, man, I don't need no help. Like, stop helping me. Stop like stop treating me like I'm I'm something different because I'm in this wheelchair. I want to play ball the same way we used to play ball." The same way we used to have fun. You know what I'm saying? I want to do, I want to experience that same joy that we used to have. Even though it's different, even though we got to do it different, it, it doesn't, you don't have to make it seem different. And you don't have to make me feel like I have a handicap, even though I am handicapped. That's a bar, yo. But um, so at the end of it, they played basketball how they used to play basketball. And like Michael Cow was his himself, right? He he put uh he he put a mop in between his wheel legs, you know what I'm saying, and stopped them from rolling and shot. And he was his his same joking and loving and caring and 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 uh, self. And that made most that like he was like, now that's ball right there. That's you being my friend because you're not you don't see me as different anymore. You see me as the same person that I've always been. So when you guys had, and I'm, I'm going to have to show you that episode, but when, when you all are helping someone through these different types of moments, see them as they've always been 
and don't make this a bigger deal than what they make of it. Because a lot of times we tend to make a bigger deal of something than what someone else will make of it. And then what happens is, uh, you know, they, they begin to feel different. So if you um, catastrophize, I'm going to catastrophize. Exactly. So I see you panicking. I'm a probably panicking. Um, exactly. And so number one, uh, I want to say, uh, you are brave for coming on and sharing this story, man, because uh, this is the first time that I've ever had a conversation like this. And again, I think there's more conversations that need to be had like this. And so I just want to say, I appreciate you for sharing your story and congratulate you on your journey. Um, did, did you get like a one year token or anything like that? No, nah. nah, we, we need to get you a one year token or something, man. Um, just, just, to, just to say like, congratulations, but um, any, any closing, any last words, um, you know, before we wrap it up? Well, yeah, I do. I want to encourage everybody, you know, um, to just pay attention, take special care of yourself. You know, mm -hmm. it is, you really have to pay attention to those signs, you know, and as hard as it is sometimes to admit, as hard as it is to self-reflect and really make those determinations, you have to put yourself first. You, you can't like, I'm 32 and it took me a couple of years and I'm glad that I caught it now. It's okay to ask for help. Mm -hmm. It is, it is absolutely 100% okay to ask for help. That's it. That's yeah. it. You are not in this alone. You have, even if you don't have friends, even if you don't have family, there are resources available to you. There is somebody out there that cares about you. Mm -hmm. So be well, be strong, and learn learn when you need learn when you need to ask for help. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. That's that's what I would want to leave everybody with. Learn 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 that it's okay to ask for help. It's okay. All right, well, folks, there you have it. Uh, Mike Cruz himself. I don't I don't know if you want to plug your social media and stuff like that, or you just kind of want to keep it personal a little bit. Um, um y'all can hit me up on uh Instagram uh. King Mac, K I I I N G underscore M A C. I think it is. Okay, yeah. I think that's what it is. All right. So. Well, look, y'all, y'all heard the man. Uh, again, thank you so much uh, for coming on and sharing your story. Um, look, so uh, man, I want to tell you all this episode is sponsored and brought to you by the winner's circle man if y'all don't know what the winner's circle is essentially it is a group of entrepreneurs who are literally just winning man my motto with the winner's circle is winners write history losers become a part of the story if you're an entrepreneur and you're struggling to find to find a community of people who think like you who want to grow like you um who 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 have the same ambitions and the same desires as you and you struggle with finding people that you want to have in-depth conversations with man what you need to do is you just need to come and join the winner's circle man if you want to join the winner's circle you can do uh you can sign up for a free consult you will get free group coaching every single week as well as a one-on-one -on -one with yours truly backpack jeff the entrepreneur coach um you all can find that at backpackjeff.com again that's backpack jeff jeff a there's f's not joe not jack right backpack jeff with put some f's on my stuff right backpackjeff.com um schedule your free consult and uh let's see how we can help you uh, get that business off the ground uh get you um get you more set and laid into your business um definitely want to hear from you uh don't forget to like comment subscribe 
on the podcast, wherever you get your podcast set on YouTube, go to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the YouTube channel, go on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast, wherever and however you listen to your podcast, like, comment, subscribe, share it with a friend. If you know somebody that is dealing with any type of uh, type of addiction, share this with them uh, just as hope, as inspiration. Again, thank you to Michael Cruz for coming on here uh, and being in your bag with us. And all as always, y'all know the motto. Always stay in your bag so you never got to chase a bag. And we out.